Hey girl, welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm a saucy 29-year-old who left the corporate world to go on to build a seven-figure online business. But most days, I still feel like I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm obsessed with the process of us getting to figure it out together. We've got epic guests, incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Girl, I don't even know how to articulate how freaking excited I am for you to get to hear this interview with a man who has impacted me in a very profound way and has been a mentor from afar for years. His name is Chris Harder. He's a powerhouse entrepreneur, philanthropist, and he has a podcast that I actually found about two and a half years ago called For the Love of Money. The premise of the podcast is that when good people make great money, they can do great things. And him and his wife, Lori Harder, are on a mission to help people with their mindset and level up their tribe and their environment and just get out of their own way. So I use this interview as an opportunity to honestly just pick the brain of a guy who has really inspired me and impacted me and ask him questions that I feel like we would want to ask him if we were having coffee with him. So I talked about environment with him and burnout and relationships and advice for finding a significant other who gets it. For if you're the most ambitious person in your circle, we talked about mindset and money mindset and abundance. And I honestly just asked him so many random questions. And I really think this episode is going to be impactful. I cannot wait to hear what you think. And be sure to tag me and tag Chris W. Harder on Instagram with your takeaways. This one is going to be freaking fire. Without further ado, let's do the damn thing, girl. Chris, I am so freaking pumped to have you on the show. Welcome. What is up? Thanks for having me. Like, so excited to jump into this with you. This is going to be a really fun episode because um, I know that you, I said this to you offline, but I've consumed so much of your content. I want to take one second to just thank you because I actually found your podcast when I had hit a thrush mark in my business from a financial standpoint that I never thought I would hit. And... um it really screwed with my mindset. And because of listening to so much of your podcast um, and really a lot of the content that you've put out there, I was able to kind of push through that and really make a massive ripple effect. So thank you because you helped me take action, not just inspired me. So wow. thank you. you know what? Number that, one, thank you foremost. for sharing that. That's um, what makes all yeah. the work worthwhile for sure. And yeah. what you just said is music to my ears. I don't want to inspire people. Like if you get inspired, fine, yeah. that's a bonus. I want people to have actionable things that move them forward. And that should be every teacher's goal. That should be every coach's goal. And I know you do that too, so... Yep. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about is empowering women to take action to build lives that they love. So what I want to do on this episode, because I was at first like, oh, you've helped me so much with my financial mindset, but you've helped in a lot of different areas. So I'm going to kind of take like, as if you were my big brother, and I'm just kind of picking your brain on a bunch of different topics that I feel like you could really add value to the demographic that listens to this podcast. So this is going to be really fun. Let's do it. (laughs) Um, But before we kind of dive in, can you just give us like a 30,000 foot kind of overview of your story from Midwest to kind of how you got to California? Yeah, for sure. I'll give you super high level anywhere that you want to do a deep dive on, no problem. So um, Midwest born and raised, uh, Wisconsin born and raised. And the really cool thing about being 
born and raised there is I feel like you're given really good foundational things like good work ethic, good family values, um, you know, honesty and trustworthy. Like all those things are, are pounded into you in the Midwest. You know, the problem is the Midwest isn't known for big thinking and it isn't known for really awesome, exciting things happening there. And that's not a knock, right? Because some good things yeah. also come with some areas of, of opportunity. And so I feel like if you can take yeah. those um, really good foundational core things that you're raised with and bring them to one of the coasts where all of the opportunity is, that's like the magic one-two punch. And that's what we ended up doing yeah. out here in LA. But the journey from being raised in the Midwest to being out here the way everybody knows of us today has not been uh, an easy one by any means. It started with me getting kicked out of college for partying too much. And I remember my parents were devastated mm-hmm. and I was happy because I just wanted to be out in the economy participating and I had no interest in learning stuff I didn't think I would use. And I got yeah. a job right away with a car dealership because I liked cars. So of course, where else would you get a job? And that's where I learned mm-hmm. sales right away. I actually became the fastest uh, rising or I should say the, the highest performing salesman right away there out of, you know, here I am this 20 year old kid at the time and um, everybody else is like this crusty old car salesperson and I just crushed them all. <laughs> and so I learned sales there and then I got promoted to run their finance department and that's where I learned leadership. And if you can learn sales and leadership, you can write your ticket anywhere. And right about this yeah. time, uh, all my friends were starting to get into the big banking boom that was starting to happen. And of course I wanted to get into it. I wanted to make more money. So I talked my way into a banking job that I was not qualified for. It was a, a beginning position loan officer job. But remember I was booted out of college, didn't have a college degree. And I ended up flying through the ranks at the world's largest bank, being one of the fastest rising executives over the next eight years after that. Now, Mm -hmm. it was really fun. It was really cool. It was really amazing. And I've got so many great memories until the recession hit. And when the recession hit, it went from this positive workplace where I'm teaching and training thousands of people on sales and leadership and rah-rah and all that to like the, the faucet shut off, like the music stopped. And everyone was miserable. And it was the worst year of my life because I had to wake up every single day, get on an airplane, go close down an office somewhere and tell people one-on-one-on-one that we're letting you go um, and here's what your severance package is. And that year, I gained 30 pounds. I was miserable. You know, I'd go home to the hotel every night after having a bad day of letting people go and just eat comfort food and drink. And that was the worst part for me physically, mentally, it was the worst part for my marriage because if I'm a bad person individually, then I'm not a good partner. And everything was just kind of a a shit show at that point. And Mm -hmm. so then I took a partnership with a mortgage brokerage, this tiny little beginner, nothing mortgage brokerage. And it was because the guy who had founded it, his name was Todd. He actually used to be my boss a couple different times back at the bank. And he said, hey, Chris, listen, I know you don't have a lot of opportunity right now. Um, you're good at the things that I'm not. I'm good at the things that you're not. I think together we could make this a go. So sure enough, he was right. We crushed it. While everybody else was closing their doors at the tail end of the recession, we grew this thing to 155 employees in seven states, and it's even way bigger today. Except the bigger it yeah. got, the thing that made us special was also what tore us apart, two different leadership styles. He wanted to go one way. I wanted to go another way. He was a senior partner as a junior mm-hmm. partner, so I had to get out of there because I was miserable. So I sold out to him and came home and said, babe, Lori, my wife, who people know of today, I'm like, you've got a lot of momentum in your network marketing company. You've got a lot of momentum in your gym that you own. You've got a lot lot of momentum in your online workout program before everybody had one. Let me come home and let's work together to crush this. And that was the beginning of our entrepreneurial journey as everybody kind of sees it today. 
Yeah. Oh, I love, I mean, clearly you've told your story so many times. You're so good at condensing a huge portion of a lot of ups and downs um, to get you guys where you're at today. So one thing I wanted to dive into is environment. So I think you have a really interesting perspective. Like I said, you came into my life through your podcast at a time that I really needed someone who was several steps ahead of me and how they thought because I didn't have access to those people around me who thought differently about finances, who thought differently about creating an environment that they could like thrive in. So you were kind of, you and your wife, Lori, were kind of people to my boyfriend and I that really helped us with our mindset. So can you talk to us a little bit, me and the listener, Mm -hmm. a little bit about how you created an environment that served you and kind of what were people saying when you wanted to move from the Midwest to California to pursue this life? And how did you kind of process through that transition? Yeah, for sure. This is really important to talk about because, you know, my wife is famous for saying your environment is stronger than your willpower. And it's true. I don't care how big your goals are. I don't care how serious you are about them. Your environment will tear those things down if it's not a supportive environment. Um, And so there's two ways that you can change your environment. You can literally up and move to a better one. Or if that is not an option, because it's not an option for a lot of people, then you have to tilt your current environment in your favor. And you do that through things like podcasts or, or what are you consuming on social media or what are you reading and what habits are you building and who are you tapping into maybe in person or virtually. And I'll be honest, it was not easy. Like the move from the mid, we were living in Minneapolis at the time to California. That part was easy because California rocks. But yeah. it was a really awkward time because friends that we had forever in the Midwest, they kind of did the whole, oh, you're leaving us thing. And that was not comfortable. So then they detached. Yeah. And then we had to come out here to this amazing city where everybody's doing something big. And we had to go from feeling like we're a big, big fish in a small pond to tiny minnows in a massive ocean and find our tribe. And that's not easy to do either. Right. But the important thing was this, when I got out here, I went from being complacent and thinking, Oh, we've got this amazing lifestyle because at the time, full, full disclosure, we're doing making like a hundred thousand dollars a month. So that's a lot of money in the Midwest, but it's not a lot of money in LA, believe it or not. And, um, so when we got out here, I went from thinking like, oh, we got it made to also realizing that we were like the brokest people in the condo building that we were renting in. Um, so we interesting. Out here. And that was a good thing because it yeah. made me say, holy cow, everyone's making way more money. How are they doing it? It's actually possible. It made my brain start you know, going over time on coming up with and discovering different ways that people are making money. And then I started wondering how I could do different ways of making money. And it changed my entire life financially. And it was no longer awkward to dream big. It was no longer awkward to claim your big audacious goals out loud. It was no longer a weird conversation because I'll be honest, a lot of times when I go home and when I used to live there, I would always pull back and Lori would too. I would always pull back on saying what I really wanted to do. Or now when I go back, I pull back on saying what I'm really doing because it makes other people uncomfortable. And if they're mm-hmm. a part of your environment and you're always going to pull back and be a little bit smaller than you should and not proclaim out loud what your goals are and where you really want to go, where, where you really want to go, then you're never going to get there. You're never yeah. going to get there. And so I'm not telling everyone they need to up and move. But if we're having a good, frank, honest conversation, here's what I'm saying. Um, some of you 
are making an excuse that you can't change your environment. Like, oh, I can't change my coworkers. Mm-hmm. I can't change my family. I can't change my friends. When really you could change some of those things if you were willing yeah. to do the uncomfortable part like we were. And yep. um, the second thing is if some of those things can't truly be changed, that's okay. That's normal. But then you need to tilt that environment in your favor. What are you looking at on social media? What's playing in your ears every moment that you get a chance? You know, who are you hanging, who are you seeking out? Because every single city, every single town does have ambitious kick-ass people. You might just yep. have to work a little bit harder to unearth them, but they are there and it's your job to go find them. So how much effort are you putting into tilting your environment in your favor? Yes, it's so good. And one thing that I know you and I would agree on is that I feel like it's our responsibility that if we feel this feeling that we want to show up for the world in a massive way, that we have to figure out a way to create an environment that's going to put us in the best situation to do so with whatever we can. So for the person listening to that, that's like, okay, Chris, can I have like, what are some other little tidbits of how you've managed conversations with people that don't get it? Because I mean, obviously you hear this all the time where it's like, oh, well, my mom doesn't get it. My significant other doesn't get it. Like, what is your best advice to kind of manage your mindset or even just tangible little things that people can do to kind of have those conversations that are tough to have, but necessary? Yeah, I love this. I've got so many points around this. So number one, your success in life will be in direct proportion with the number of tough conversations you're willing to have, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to accept that you're going to have a lot of tough conversations to go where you are meant to go. But number two is related to what I just said. And that is you have a duty to go where you are meant to go. And it is not up to other people if you're going to go there or not. Matter of fact, you need to go unapologetically to where you want to go in life. And it is up to everybody else to come along or not. It's not up to you to get them to come along. And it's not up to you to change their mind. It's not up to you to convince them. Um, It's not up to you to argue with people that don't want to see your way of life. It is up to you to go enjoy your way of life because you're going to inspire some people who Mm -hmm. wouldn't otherwise be inspired if you weren't the example. So you're not only hurting yourself when you don't move forward at full speed, um, but you're also hurting the other people that would have been inspired by you and would have followed the path that you forged when you go ahead at full speed. And so- To answer your question, here's a great example. Lori and I have a zero engagement policy on social media. Um, You've got a great audience. So as you know, as your audience grows, you get all sorts of people with their opinions and their comments, and some of them can be downright crazy. Except our zero engagement policy means we won't respond to crazy. We won't respond to negativity. We won't try and argue or change their mind. Listen, Mm -hmm. you can't win an argument with a troll sitting in their parents' basement. It's impossible because they have nothing to lose. And all you're doing is wasting your energy, whether it's a troll online or whether it's a family member or a friend who does not want to live the same life as you. You You're wasting your energy on trying to convince them to change their mind or to come along. Instead, trade that energy for putting it into your dreams and just Mm -hmm. seeing who wants to come along, seeing who's ready and who's not. That that in itself was... Hearing you talk about that was 
game changing for me because I was really concerned, not necessarily what everyone thought about it, but I, I was really worried about leaving people behind that had been such great friends to me and hadn't done anything wrong. I'm like, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable until I took the finger that I was pointing at them and pointed it back at myself. And I was like, I have a life to live here and I have people that I need to impact. And this is just bullshit Mm -hmm. that I'm just creating this story. So that was really impactful for me. And so I I really wanted to kind of tee you up to go that direction because I knew you would. And here's the term leaving people behind. You're never leaving people behind. Yep. You are going where you are meant to go and it is up to them to come or not. But you're not leaving them behind because you're inviting them along. Yep. It's not dragging them along. Yes. So good. And from that, I actually heard you speak at an event about um, the rocket ship analogy. In particular, you were talking about how women should make you know, more income because of what they can do to impact people. And you talked about a rocket ship in, in terms of like, who's in that with you. So a lot of women that are listening to this are in relationships. Maybe they're, you know, kind of on the path towards getting married soon, or they're dating right now. Um, what advice do you have from someone who's been in a marriage that has gone through all sorts of ups and downs? It's very open about your relationship to how do we, what are some things to look for of like picking that person in the rocket ship with us? And then can you kind of give a little context over that analogy? Yeah, for sure. So I love this analogy of the rocket ship. And where it really came from was there was a point about four and a half years ago where Lori, my wife, she was on a rocket ship. She was doing all of the right things with all of the right people and putting in all of the right work to be extraordinary, like shooting for the stars. Yeah. And I was just kind of hanging out in good. And the problem with good is you you already know good's the enemy of great. And when you have greatness inside you, man, that's a crappy feeling. So good is not good enough. Except the problem with good is it's also not bad enough to make you take that action, right? The pain point isn't quite big enough to make you take all that scary, unnecessary action to get to extraordinary. So Mm -hmm. here I am just kind of hanging out in good and Lori's on the rocket ship and I knew that I was going to wake up one day and she was going to be way up here and I was going to be way down here and there's going to be far too big of a distance for us to have any kind of good relationship. And that's the first point. That's just common sense, guys. Whether you're the one on the rocket ship or whether you're the one just kind of hanging out wondering why your spouse has to be so ambitious, listen, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a gap pretty soon that will be too big for you guys to have a solid relationship. And so you either have to choose to get on the rocket ship with them or choose to let go of that relationship or if the situation's flipped, if you're on the rocket ship, you have a duty to go to the stars regardless and invite your significant other along yeah. But if they don't want to come, they don't want to come. It doesn't mean that you don't go to the stars. You only get one chance to do this in life. And a good significant other is one that sees the value in your goals and supports the value in your goals. And support is not saying, oh, good job, honey. And then going back to what you're doing. Support is saying, babe, I'm so excited. How can I remove any obstacles from you? You know what I'm good at. Do you think any of that would help you get there? And what else do I need to do in order to support you going to the stars? That's actually what real support looks like. And then actually speak louder than words. So it's not just asking those questions, but it is backing them up through your actions. Or remember, if you're the spouse on the rocket ship, it's not just hearing your significant other say that. Mm -hmm. It's seeing them do the actions to back up their words. You always have to judge everybody, including those in your relationships, through their actions, not through their words. Now, let's be super clear because people can have a bad week. They can have a bad month. They can have a bad year. But how long are you going to drag somebody along? 
that has no interest in where you're going, that has shown no spark, no giddy up in their step, that that doesn't dream as big as you, how long are you going to drag that person along because you enjoy drinking together or you have some fun together or you have good sex together or you have whatever. Like Mm -hmm. stop settling for one or two or three pieces of the puzzle. Yes. 50 great pieces of the puzzle and you deserve them all. And I love it. You getting off the rocket ship and you staying back here on crappy little earth so that the other person feels comfortable is not doing anyone any favors. Cause here's what happens right after that. You might think you're repairing the relationship by pulling back, but what's really happening is you pull back and now you become resentful and now right. you have two mediocre people barely getting by. And one yeah. of them really pissed off that they pulled back because they could have been something special. Yeah. You think that's repairing a relationship. That's dooming the relationship. So guess what? You have to go anyways. Yep. And you have to inspire and invite your significant other along and see if they want to. And I mean, what a disservice that you're doing to the world if you're not showing up for what you what's in you that you need to do, right? If you stay back, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, on that, when you felt that feeling of, you know, my wife is on a rocket ship going this direction, for the woman listening to this whose husband maybe isn't supportive of her dreams, her business, her ambition, whatever it may be, can you kind of explain to us like how that felt from your perspective, from a male's perspective? Yeah. And if there was anything that... Lori did or maybe didn't do to kind of help obviously not pull you along, but maybe some dialogue or some tips for someone that's trying to help empower their significant other, but doesn't really know what to do. Such an important question. So here's exactly what I was thinking and here's exactly what happened. And I guarantee your man is thinking the same. Yeah. So when she was on a rocket ship, I was just kind of hanging around and good. I knew first of all, that she was unapologetic about where she was going. Mm-hmm. And that I was choosing to stay back. I knew that intuitively. Yeah. Um, people like to play dumb, but they're not dumb. Yeah. Number two, I knew that I had resentment around her being so ambitious all the time and so excited all the time. And I knew that I had to face, why does that bring up resentment in me? So your man knows if he's being resentful. Yep. But it's up to him to choose whether or not he wants to ask that question. Why am I being resentful? And the time I knew that I had to start doing something about it was we were out to dinner on a date night. Everyone thinks date night fixes everything, right? And I sit across from her and she was so excited about her day that day. She was telling me about these exciting new people that she met and this exciting new project they're going to do. And everything was so exciting. I remember thinking to myself, why does everything have to be so goddamn big and exciting all the time? What's wrong with this really cool life that we have right now? Wow. And it was in that moment where I realized, whoa, this person you love is so excited and they're doing all the right things and you're sitting here resentful. The problem is not her and her level of ambition. The problem is you and your lack of ambition. And so that's where I realized inside, I was like, man, I need to look for an idea to propel me out of this mediocrity, this good um, when I knew that she was headed for great and when I knew quite honestly that I deserve great as well. So the whole point to your question is your significant other knows they might play dumb, but they're not dumb. Yeah. It's whether or not they want to face the music and do something about it. And some will, and some won't, and you can't change that, but here's what you can do. So here's the end of the story. What Lori did right was this. She unapologetically knew where she was going and demonstrated where she was going. 
So there was no question on if she was going to stay back for me or not. She was going period. And it was the fact that there was no question about where she was going that made me face the music and say, wait a minute. I know for a fact she's going to be up here. What happens if I stay down here? And do I want to do something about it? So for everyone who's listening, the only thing you can do is be so consistent, be so obvious, be so unapologetic about where you're going that your significant other has to decide if she's going to be up here, am I going to stay down here or am I I going to come along? Yes. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's like the big brother wisdom, like real talk that I so appreciate from your style of how you deliver content. So thank you so much for giving us that insight. So on the relationship topic, I would love if you could give us kind of what are some things that you and Lori do to kind of keep your relationship constantly evolving as you're both chasing after your dreams and obviously your lifestyle and kind of how you guys develop your day is different from a listener who's, you know, working a full-time corporate job and maybe building a side business or doesn't even know what they want yet, but has a gut feeling that they want more. Um, Can you talk a little bit about some of the maybe boundaries that you guys have in place or things that have been really helpful to keep your relationship intact when lots of things are going on? Yeah, for sure. This does not just apply to entrepreneurs. This applies if, if, you know, two people have really great corporate jobs. Yep. This applies like to anybody who's ambitious, period, right? You're both chasing dreams. Yeah. I heard a great analogy. It's like, you're both chasing dreams in opposite directions, but you're tied together by a rope. Like, you know, how well yeah. is that run going to go? Yeah. You got you to find ways to run in the same direction, but most importantly, you got to be really good with boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so here's what Lori and I do. And, and I just got done teaching this in this e-course that's coming out. And I always start out by saying, find yourself in my story. Don't yep. make the excuse that, well, it must be nice. I don't have that life yet. Yeah. Find yourself in my story, how you would make it work for you. Yes. Because the fundamentals are the same. Yep. So here's one of our boundaries. We will not start our workday until 11 a.m., period. You can't get a hold of us. I don't care who you are. Um, unless you're close friends or family, we're not talking to you before 11 a.m. Because before 11 a.m., from the time that we wake up until then, is when we wake up, do our mantras, you know, uh, say our gratitude prayer, have our coffee, read, um, maybe do a little bit of social media after we read, get our workout in together. It's when we make sure that our cup is so filled up that it is flowing over and we are giving from the part that is flowing over for everybody else the rest of the day. What everyone else does is they wake up and they start with an empty cup and they try and give from that empty cup and they wonder why it's so difficult. So that's our first boundary. It's a non-negotiable. Now, again, don't be like, must be nice. Maybe you need to get up early. Maybe you need to have a shorter morning ritual than I do. Maybe you need to, you know, make some adjustments, but I know you can find a way. Mm -hmm. So the second boundary we have is, our evening dog walk. It's a non-negotiable rain or shine. Like watch us on Instagram stories in the rain. We're freaking walking. So the way it works is every morning when we get up, I'm like, babe, what time are you done? She'll say, I don't know, six. And I'll say, great. My last appointment is 630. Dog walk is at 645. And we put it in our calendars. Like that's how important it is to us. Mm-hmm. And um, then at 645, we drop what we're doing, grab the dog. We go for a three mile dog walk. And it's in this time that we go from, being business partners back to romantic partners is in this physical change of state, this physical change of energy. It's in this container that we know exists for us to make that transition because you won't make that transition sitting in the same place where you did battle all day. You won't make that, that transition by, you know, coming home and, and 
barely getting home and then going right into uh, how was your day and right into feeding the kids and right into everything else. Yep. And we don't have kids yet, but if you have kids, you still have an obligation to have strong boundaries and find a way to work them in or put yourselves first yep. in order to be the best version of parents flowing over. Mm-hmm. So um, those are just two of many boundaries that we have, Yep. but it shows you the importance of having these rituals yep. that are not sometimes rituals, not most of the time rituals. They're all the damn time, no matter what rituals, so that you are taking that relationship down off of the shelf and polishing it up every single day. You see, what happens is everybody, when they're first in love, mm-hmm. they like do everything every day to polish that relationship. And it's, a, it's the thing that's right in front of their eyes. But then there comes a point where they're like, oh, we better build a life. So they take that shiny relationship, they put it up on the shelf, and they each go out and they build a career and they try and make money and they try and save money and they try and get a house and they try and do all the things. Yeah. The problem is you put that relationship on the shelf and you put all your attention towards the other things and it just collects dust. And then you wonder how you got to where you are so quickly when yep. really it wasn't quickly. It happened because every single day you forgot to take that relationship down off of the shelf and dust it off. Mm-hmm. And so these boundaries that you set for yourself, they need to set up a scenario where you are taking that relationship down off the shelf and putting some love into it, polishing it up a little bit every single day, because you know, that way you get to put things out when they're just smoke instead of trying to put them out when they're a raging forest fire. And there's a big difference in those two scenarios. That is like life-changing advice. And I will tell you without being too much of a creeper here that my boyfriend and I've been in a relationship for 10 years and we moved from New York to San Diego now. And we've been doing a dog walk per, and I actually did a solo episode crediting you guys to this that we've done it every single night and it really just creates like you said this container to just chat no phones like we don't worry about anything else it's just like reconnecting and that tiny little thing is so easy to do and so easy not to do but it's just that consistency over time really like has helped us so much so thank you for sharing about that um because it's been really impactful for us too yeah you know number one thank you for for doing that and trying it on for size and and, that it works but it's so important that you guys have this container to reconnect as a couple yep. each and every day because what happens is if you don't provide the container, then there's no space for the magic to happen. And like I'll use Lori and I, for example, we run some pretty big businesses. So the days are not sexy. Yeah. Like um, it's, it's arguing over teammates, it's, uh, hiring, firing. It's arguing over budgets or sales or launches or investments and all that stuff. And not arguing, but you know what I mean? It's just not sexy yeah. stuff to talk about. So you must, you must create that container to force the change of state from business partners back into relationship partners on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. or you're going to wake up one day as just business partners. Yeah. Well, and even if you're doing completely separate career paths for the woman listening to this in Trader Joe's right now, it's the same thing. You're living two separate lives throughout your day. And then it's like coming together to create this unity that you said you wanted when you got married, right? So that's really powerful. Okay. I wanted to ask you also, um, I know that you, like, what's your take on balance in general? I personally don't believe that there's ever perfect Mm -hmm. balance, but I'd love to hear you just kind of talk about this in general. Like the woman that's seeking, like, I feel so unbalanced. I feel crazy. Like talk to her, talk to her. She needs to hear from Chris. (laughs) Something is always going to suffer. That's the first thing we have to accept. There's no way everything can be on point at all times. And that is okay. Because I believe that balance is actually seasons. 
Yeah. Like there's the season where your body and your health is on point. And there's the season where you're maybe five pounds up, but you are all in on your business because you're in the middle of a big launch. And then there's the season where like you are just all in on that relationship and your business is, is not tanking, but it's just evened out for a little while because you're getting back to rekindling that relate. Like everything goes in seasons and that's okay. This mm-hmm. concept of trying to keep everything perfect all the time is absolutely impossible. Yeah. And it'll drive you nuts because it's not realistic. So like, as I do this interview right now, I would love to be like three or four pounds less. And I know it sounds like three or four pounds. Like, yeah, but you it's know, your value. It doesn't, yeah. But we're also coming up on summer in the land of supermodels, right? <laughs> so like everybody looks good and you don't, you don't feel good when you don't look good. Yeah. So I would love to have been able to concentrate on my body and my health more leading up to this moment than I have. But I haven't been able to because I'm also in the middle of one of the biggest pushes with several projects with my career that I've ever done. Yep. And so I don't beat myself up over that. I don't have a problem with that. I don't sit and say, what if? I don't look back and say, oh, I should have done it differently. I literally say, oh man, I'm crushing it in work right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty close to where I want to be. And I'm okay with that because I know that the sacrifice was worth it to move this business thing forward. Yep. And when you, when you can look at it that way and, and not expect such perfection in every area out of yourself, life gets so much happier. Absolutely. I love that. Such a good answer. So, okay. To the woman who feels stuck. I know I'm literally just like, I have all these questions because I just want to get, get all the juice out of you while you're here. (laughs) So, um, to the woman who right now feels stuck in her life, when you're in a season where you're just like, Oh, like something feels wrong, but I don't know what it is. How do you or Lori or just, how do you guys kind of manage that when you know you need to take action? What are some like little tidbits that you do for yourself? Well, I think this goes back to making sure you've got a really good tribe set up around yeah. you. Um, it's so hard for us when we're stuck in the muck yeah. to get outside looking in because you're already in, you're stuck in it. Mm-hmm. This is where you need to be able to call on your friends, call on those that are going to be honest and loving with you and be like, here's how I'm feeling. What are you seeing and what do you think I could do differently? Yeah. Because they know you, they're watching, they've got ideas, they're outside looking in, which is one of the most valuable perspectives on the planet. Yep. So having that tribe is an absolute must when you feel stuck. They're the ones that are going to get you unstuck, mm-hmm. not you. Yep. Now you do play a role in becoming unstuck because when somebody helps lift you up, you still also have to help lift yourself up mm-hmm. and start getting back into the positive rituals that are going to support the way that you want to feel. Matter of fact, there's this hierarchy of how you want to get unstuck. And it's number one, you have to choose again the right beliefs as to how you want to feel, where you want to go, and how you're going to get there. Yeah. So first choose the right beliefs, but then you have to have the right rituals to reinforce those beliefs on a daily basis. Yep. Otherwise, what happens is you can have all the great intentions in the world, but if you don't have the rituals, if you don't have the mantras, the gratitude practices, you know, who knows what it is, then those beliefs are never going to happen. Yeah. And now here's the third part. You can have the beliefs in place and you can have the rituals to support them. But if you don't have the tribe to support the rituals, you're screwed. Here's a good example. Let's say you're like, all right, this year I'm losing 10 pounds. I'm going to be the healthiest I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And you believe it to your core. And then you set the right rituals. You set up the gym. When you go to the gym in the calendar, you hire a trainer, 
you, um, you know, order your favorite foods or supplements and you are like lined up for success and every day you are serious about knocking out those rituals. But now your tribe, if you haven't put them on notice and assemble the right people, what do they do? They do things like, Hey, this weekend we're doing a girls weekend up at the winery. Let's go. And you're like, Oh, but wait, I've got these goals. Yeah. Or they're like, you used to be more fun when you came to happy hour. What happened to you? Mm-hmm. Oh, but wait, I have these goals. Or they say things like, I just don't feel connected to you anymore. When what they really mean is, you guys don't share that buzz anymore or whatever it might Mm be. And so your loved ones, believe it or not, will accidentally sabotage your rituals that are supposed to be supporting your beliefs when they are not aligned with where you want to go. And that doesn't, they have to be on a diet with you. And the diet is just the analogy, guys, but they don't have to be on the diet with you, but they do have to know number one, that you're on it. They have to know what your goal is. They have to know what role they play in supporting you. So you need to tell them, you need to say, Hey, listen, for the next two months, please do not ask me to any happy hours. Please know that it doesn't mean I love you any less. And please know that I would rather do coffee dates or green juice dates mm-hmm. or yoga with yep. you. So we don't have to spend any less time together. But do not ask me to any happy hours. And please don't tell me that I, I seem any different because I'm not going to them because this goal means a lot to me. And mm-hmm. that enroll, back to the tough conversations, enroll it, the enrollment of the people around you is the most powerful thing you can do. This goes for business. Let's say you have a business goal and you tell your family, you tell your friends, hey guys, Mm -hmm. I have this milestone I want to hit. I'm going all in. So for the next four months, you may see me less, hear from me less. I may not be able to do this, this, and this like I normally do. But here's what happens when I get to my goal. Here's how you benefit. And here's what you can do to help me get there. Mm -hmm. And like you have to enroll the people around you and put them on notice. Yes. I appreciate that answer so much because it it gives us something we can tangibly do of taking ownership and having those conversations versus I hate the, well, they don't get it. It's like, well, have you had the conversation of why it matters to you? To them? Do they even know? Right? Um, So thank you for that. That's really helpful. One other question I wanted to ask you um, before I move into the final two is why did you start the podcast? Like what was the need for you to get this message out about when good people make great money, they do great things? Where did that come from? And can you kind of give us the premise of it? Um, I've shared a lot about your podcast, but obviously give us the rundown because it's so powerful. So... (laughs) This is going to be a funny story, but stick with me. Number one, um, they say you teach what you needed the most. And so my whole life, I've known two things. I've known, number one, I'm very generous. Like I know that generosity has been the secret to so much of my success. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also know, number two, I love nice things. Yeah. And the problem is growing up, you're taught, be generous but don't covet nice things. Mm-hmm. And what I could never understand, it's still until I started working it out out loud, so to speak, was how am I supposed to be motivated to make the money and create the time and the freedom and the energy to be of great generosity to others yeah. if I don't honor what motivates me at first? Mm-hmm. You see, too many people are ashamed of that first carrot. You know, the story of the, the donkey and the carrot and stick. You can jam them from behind with the stick or you can lead them with the yep. carrot. Well, the carrot is what motivates you. And at first, when we're young, let's be honest. Most of us don't wake up at 24 and be like, ooh, I'm doing it to save the elephants. Yeah. You're doing it because like, you want to find a mate and maybe you want that awesome car or that awesome house or that awesome bag or those awesome shoes or you that awesome trip or that awesome Instagram. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. 
society has made it so bad to pursue nice things. But if the nice things at first are the carrot that motivates you to get up and learn how to make money and create the income producing machine. And once you get a couple of those nice things, you realize, wait a minute, these are cool, but not as cool as I thought. And so you're like, what else could I do with this money now that the income producing machine is up and printing money? Mm -hmm. And that's when you turn to generosity and that's when you turn to your real calling. Then that's the journey that you're supposed to take. And you'll never take that journey when you apologize or pretend that you're not motivated by shiny things at first. So it's okay, no matter what your carrot is, don't apologize for it and stop judging other people's carrots too, by the way, because you're part of the problem when you are. So where the podcast came from was I was always trying to reconcile those two things in in my life. And um, I was sitting in a mastermind once and it was probably three and a half years Mm -hmm. ago. And I was just drifting off because it was a bad mastermind to be honest with you. As I said, drifting off daydreaming, I had no intention of starting a podcast, no intention of starting a brand yet. And it was like a lightning bolt that just came down through my head. And this is the part where I'm like, sorry, the story's cheesy, but like, I don't know how else to describe yeah. it. It's like a lightning bolt that came down through my head with everything I need to know. It said, you're going to do a podcast. It's going to be a money mindset brand aimed at entrepreneurs, helping make them more apologetic. It's going to be called For the Love of Money. Um, it was like someone just gift wrapped it and handed yeah. it to me. And so much so to the fact that my wife was in this mastermind. She was sitting to my left. I wrote down a little bit of this on paper and slid it over to her. And she looked at me like, what are you talking about? That's how out of left field yeah. it was. Like, she's like, what the hell is me? So on a break, I told her. And I was so passionate about the title for the love of money mm-hmm. that I went to see if it was available as a domain name. And somebody was sitting on it and wanted 25000 bucks for it. Of course. They <laughs> so I spent the next week reaching out to all my creative friends saying, all right, I got this download. I'm going to pursue it, but I need a different title because some guy wants 25 grand for this. And all my creative friends for a week, they couldn't offer a single good title or idea that I liked even half as much. So I started negotiating with this person squatting on a domain name (laughs) and um, settled on 18 grand. That's how serious I was about like, this was a gift was given to me. I'm going to pursue it. Now you think this is important for your listeners. You think that if I spent 18 grand on a domain name, that I would be serious and take an action right away. Except I sat on it for like a year. Wow. Saying I was too busy. Oh yeah, I'm going to get to that, but I'm too busy doing this. And oh yeah, I still want to do that, but I'm too busy doing that. The truth was I was busy. I had other cool things that I was doing, but I wasn't so busy that I couldn't make it a priority. Mm -hmm. And we do this, this self-justification of we're too busy, we'll get around to it later, when really there's a deeper problem for some reason that you don't want to do it. And my wife's favorite joke at the time, she'd be like, hey, remember that time you spent 18 grand on domain name? You ever going to do anything with it? I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it wasn't until I got into a different mastermind where they said, what is your, what's your spiel? What's your, your thing? And I told them what it was. And they said, good, you're going to get it out. This is January. They said, you're going to get it out by before our next May meeting. And what are the steps you need to do to get it out? Okay, what date's going to have them done by? Okay, we're going to hold you accountable to those steps and those dates. And I ended up getting it out ahead of schedule. But I needed that tribe yep to hold me accountable to pushing it out there, even though I was passionate about doing it. That's really great, like tangible advice to hear that if you're sitting on something, get someone 
on board with it or at least tell them that it matters to you. Like when I decided I was going to start this podcast six months ago, I posted about it on social media and so many people were so excited and I didn't even have a mic or a name or anything. I was like, shit, now I have to do a podcast because I just said I was going to do it. But that did help because the idea came and I was like, let's go. So um, that's really nice to hear both sides of the spectrum because the listeners have heard my take on this podcast. So thank you for sharing that. Um, One other thing I wanted to ask you just for the person that thinks that they have no quote unquote issues with their money mindset, which I will be honest was me until I made $250,000. My first year was when I found your podcast. You literally launched your podcast right when I made that amount. And that was the ceiling that I had set for whatever reason. And I remember you messaging that to me. Yeah, I did. And I was like, thank you. You don't know me. I'm really creepy. I'm sliding in your DMs. Um, And you responded. And I was so grateful for that because I needed someone to say like, when good people make good money, you can do so much with this, like go. Um, So thank you again. But what, what do you say to the person who thinks that they don't have money mindset issues when everyone does? (laughs) Well, it's a very easy question. Do you have the money to do everything that you want to do? And not, are you selling yourself on living a life short of what you were meant to live? There's a very big difference. Be honest with yourself. Do you have all the money to do all the things you want to do, to create all the impact you want to create, to have the house that you want to have, to have the family experiences that you want to have? Are you going to a job and only have two weeks of vacation a year and you can't afford to take vacation when you're home? Or are you able to come and go as you want and have epic experiences with your family? Are you able to make the choices because more money really just means more choices. Are you able to make the choices that give you an extraordinary life and extraordinary life does include creating impact. I always, I love to ask when I speak in front of great big audiences, I'll say, okay, how many of you uh, love people? And everybody raises their hand. I say, how many of you have causes that you care about? Everyone raises their hand. I say, how many of you have enough money to actually impact and shift that cause? And like one person might raise their hand. I'm like, there's the problem is, you know, that you want to be doing more. You know that you should be doing more. And if everybody was doing more, every single problem in the world would be fixed. Except you don't have the money to do more. That's how you know you have a money mindset issues because you want something, but you don't have it. There must be a gap. Mm -hmm. And it is okay to have a gap, but that's when we get to start doing the work to bridge that gap because you don't have to have a gap. So it's really a very easy litmus test. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Oh, okay. And then this is kind of random, but we actually have a Spotify playlist for this podcast, like a pump up jam. So do you yeah. have a pump up jam that you want to share <laughs> with the audience for Ooh. our Spotify, for our uh, Empower Her Spotify playlist? I love this. Put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> that's what I did the whole interview. Just like, Chris, by the way, can I ask you everything that's in my brain right now? <laughs> the other thing, well, okay, hold on. I got to check my phone real quick. I'm, I'm looking. Bear with me here. Ask yeah, me a warm-up question. I'm looking um, and then, so tell us also, I want to know, how are you serving people right now? What are you most excited about in terms of how you're serving people with different masterminds or programs or online courses? Give us your rundown before we have you kind of leave us with something juicy at the end. Yeah, for sure. So um, here's what I'm most excited about. I yeah. launched a free video training series on things like how to figure out your worth and command your worth uh, evidence and studies that money will make you happier and why you're entitled to pursue it. Um, I mean, you name it, like four great free videos awesome. on radically changing how you feel about money. Oh, there's one on how the economy works and that there's enough to go around that will solve so any hesitation you ever had around the idea of that if you have $10, somebody else has $10 less. And yeah. so um, you can get that at for the love of money, 
dot com forward slash free because obviously yep. it's free. And we'll um, link also, all this stuff in the show notes too because this is so yeah, good. I'm, I'm also coming out with um, a, a new e-course I'm going to purposely make so much cheaper than anything we've ever done before because I want everyone to have access to it. Yep. So it's not going to be a big income generator. It's going to be a big service generator. Yeah. And it's going to shift everybody's mindset. It's literally the ultimate one-stop shop on everything money. And, and it, uh, so that'll be coming out soon. Um, you'll be notified of that if you are a part of the free video training series. Yep. But best of all, just find me on Instagram. Because um, I made a commitment that regardless of how big it gets, and you saw this, I will answer every single question that comes in about business or life or abundance or whatever it is that's on your mind Mm -hmm. if you send me a DM. So just find me at Chris W. Harder. Yeah. And that's so impactful too, especially when you're, you know, we've talked a lot about tribe and creating the people around you where I was looking for someone that was steps and steps ahead of me because I didn't have that person physically around me. And you became like in a weird way, this like big brother that I was tapping into. So to the girl that's living in the middle of like Boone Hickeyville, that's like, I don't have anyone around me. First of all, let's check ourselves if that's an excuse, but also plug into people like Chris, like this podcast, like other podcasts that can kind of help you shift your mindset. So you don't stay stuck because that's a choice, right? So, um, okay. Did you find your jam? Totally. I can't believe I didn't think of this. God's Plan by Drake. Always. Oh, that's that's my boyfriend's favorite song too. That's amazing. Okay. And then last to close this out, um, I just want to know to the 25 to 35 year old female that just knows she's got this gut feeling that she wants more. And she's like, Chris, I'm nervous to start. How do I take action? What would you tell her? Yeah, you're not alone that you're nervous to start. Everybody was. And, and quite honestly, mm-hmm. that never goes away. You just get better at dealing with it. But here's what I do know. That desire was placed in you for a reason. Every single person was put here with a calling. And I know you've heard that before, but I can actually make it more meaningful to you. In this day and age, exactly where we are right now, you are now either a part of the problem or a part of the solution. There is no more sitting out. There is no more neutral There is no more, oh, I'm going to wait to get started. You're either making the world better at its messiest point by living into your natural talents and strengths that you are giving, Mm -hmm. or you're making it worse by sitting out and letting people around you suffer. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't do it for you, do it for the people that are going to suffer because you're choosing to honor your ego and your fear instead of honoring what you were put here to do. And if that doesn't motivate you, then do it for the very reason that when you do play to your talents and when you do play to your strengths and when you do help other people, the natural side effect is lots of money that gives you a great life as well. Uh, That just like hits me to my core. It's so freaking powerful. Thank you so much. So Instagram, I know is your jam. Where can we find you on Instagram? Totally. Chris W. Harder on Instagram. Okay. And any other things that you want to plug? You know, the only place I'm hanging out is on my podcast at ForTheLoveOfMoney.com. Go there, subscribe and review and uh, Instagram. Yes. Chris, thank you so much for your time, for all of your nuggets, for letting me just ask you everything that was coming to my brain. I really appreciate you in a really impactful way. You have shown up in my life without even knowing it. So thank you so much for everything that you do. You know what? Thank you so much. Seriously, from the day that you connected with, hey, I'm stuck in quarter million dollars to, to everything else. I yeah. love what you're doing and I'm a huge fan and I'm cheering you on. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, I would so appreciate it if you share with your girlfriends or better yet, post it on Instagram stories and tag me. Then I can personally say thank you for helping me get this message out there. 
And if you didn't vibe with it, just keep that to yourself. I'm kind of new here. Still trying to figure it all out. Talk to you soon, girl.